Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple of the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then the king Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. Let's welcome Dr. Kendall as he comes. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be received and applied as you intend. And cleanse my tongue that I might be your transparent vehicle to convey everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Let this be a life-changing word. And for all I know, for someone... A word just in the nick of time. And may this bring you great honor and glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Question. Are you ready for change? Or do you want things to continue on just as they are? I base the title of my talk today on on what was a a secular song many years ago, I think over 20 famous recording artists 
uh, did this song, The Party's Over, It's Time to Call It a Day. The story in Daniel chapter 5 is about two men and the fall of the Babylonian kingdom. These two men are Belshazzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the last Babylonian king, and Daniel. You may recall that in Daniel chapter 1, he came early on with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's when they were younger men. What we have here, many years later, Daniel much older than the Daniel that we saw in chapter 1. But sadly, this Daniel seems to have been forgotten. You would have thought the way it started out that he was just going to be a hero right through. But no, uh, he had been given an amazing ability to interpret dreams. He interpreted the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. He was exalted. But when Nebuchadnezzar died uh, and the new king, Belshazzar, came along, Daniel was forgotten. It makes you think of Exodus chapter 1. There came a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Well, that's the situation you have here. Uh, Belshazzar shows no respect for his father, for Daniel, and, uh, and the God whom Nebuchadnezzar had come to affirm. Well, now, what we have here in the fifth chapter of Daniel was described by Jesus like this. Jesus said, It is necessary that offenses must come, but woe to them by whom they come. God had been grieved with Israel, and he judged Israel, and the result was the Babylonian captivity. But now, God decided to judge Babylon. And we're into the 70 years. It's going toward the end of the 70-year period. God may chasten his church, but he will turn on those who deride his church. Well, God had allowed the Babylonians to capture the gold and silver goblets from Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. But when Belshazzar gave orders to bring these goblets into the party for godless people to use, he crossed over a line. And God did not like it one bit. Why is this passage so important? For one thing, it shows how those who scoff at the historic Christian faith uh, will one day be so very very sorry that they did. Whether we're talking about church leaders or apostate preachers or TV evangelists who merchandise the name of God. Politicians, journalists, comedians, TV commentators. One day they will face the folly of their ridicule when God decides to roll up his sleeves to announce the party's over. Well, Belshazzar decided to throw a party for the Babylonian elite. We're told in verse 1, he gave a great banquet for thousands of his nobles. They drank wine with them. Uh, he could not have called this party at a worse time. 
But he did it because the people were discouraged. They were aware of the armies of Darius outside Babylon. And people were nervous and in a state of panic. And so Belshazzar says, nothing to worry about. We're going to have a party. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And he wanted to prove there was nothing to worry about. So far, no one had ever, ever penetrated Babylon. And the city of Babylon had been regarded as impenetrable. So Belshazzar was at ease. He wanted to put everybody at ease. And there's nothing to worry about. And he says, give me another drink in one of those golden goblets that come from the temple in Jerusalem. When he did that, he got God's attention. The Bible says in Psalm 75, no one from the east or from the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings down one and exalts another. And so, the new party now is being demonstrated to show defiance and the confidence of Belshazzar and to rest the fears of his supporters. And so we read that while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines might drink from them. And they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines drank from them. They drank the wine. They praised the gods of silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You could say that Belshazzar was living in denial. Do you know what it is to live in denial? Uh, there is a defense mechanism in psychology called repression. That's where a person consciously or unconsciously denies what's going on. And they live in a world of their own, denying what is actually taking place. Uh, and this will happen when a nation has lost its glory... And leaders will say, things are better than ever. Or when a church has lost its glory, a denomination begins to decline. Leaders will say, oh, we have the glory with us. We've got more than ever. Or as they put it in the church of the Laodiceans, we are rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. The story is told that someone went up to Thomas Aquinas in the cathedral of Cologne in the 13th century. And they noticed the gold, the finery of the cathedral. And they said to Aquinas, well, no longer need the church say, silver and gold have I none. Aquinas replied, yes, but neither can it say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, there's one word that holds this chapter together. It's the word change. I ask again, are you ready for change? Or are you instead wanting things to go on and on just like they are, where you don't want to be disturbed? Well, 
It would be a change of administration. The downfall of Belshazzar was at hand. The Babylonians had taken Israel hostage, but they themselves were to be taken over by the Medes and the Persians. A huge change coming for the king for Babylon. But it would also be a change for Daniel. And eventually, Israel. As I told you, Daniel was respected by King Nebuchadnezzar, disregarded by Belshazzar. And the years under Belshazzar must have been very difficult for Daniel, who had to wait for God to act. This is another reason that this is an important passage. I wonder if there are those who can identify with Daniel. Here's a man who had once been used, greatly used, highly respected, and it looked like he was the wave of the future, and suddenly he's on the shelf. Nobody knows about him. He's put to one side. And maybe you feel like that. You've known days when you were respected and God was using you, but at the moment you're having to wait and you wonder, how long will it be? Well, the night of Belshazzar's party gives us a glimpse of how God will, listen to me, sooner or later intervene. Be it the life of a nation, the life of the church, the life of the individual. Some of you know my own teaching that the next thing to happen on God's calendar it's not the second coming, but the cry in the middle of the night, the midnight cry, when the church is in a deep, deep sleep, expecting nothing. When suddenly the cry comes and the whole church is awakened. But right now I can tell you, the church is asleep. The most apt description of the church at the present time. The church is asleep. And the thing about sleep is you don't know you were asleep until you wake up. And while you're asleep, you dream, you do things you wouldn't do if you were awake. And that's what you have in the church at the moment, indulging in things they would not do if awake. All right, we're talking now about this night of Belshazzar's party. It gives us a glimpse of how God will step in. It was a night of debauchery. In verse 2, the way it's put, uh, the scholars tell us that it was going on like this, that women were paid for sexual favors. It was a night of frivolity, sensuality, immorality, as for monogamous marriage, fidelity, morality, simply not on. It was a night of desecration. When they brought in the gold goblets from the temple, they treated that which was sacred with scorn and derision. It's like when the church is treated uh, by the world with contempt, when, as I say, church leaders treat biblical Christianity with contempt. It was a night of drunkenness. 
It was not until Belshazzar was drinking a lot of wine that he felt brave enough to do what he did. Probably couldn't do it sober. To bring in the gold goblets from the temple. He was showing contempt for his father Nebuchadnezzar, not to mention the God of the temple from which the gold and silver goblets had been taken. It was a night of delusion. There's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians Thessalonians. God would send strong delusion that people would believe a lie. For one reason, they did not receive the love of the truth. Think about this. Can you imagine yourself being deluded? The trouble is when you're deluded, you don't think you are. And nobody can tell you. But there would come a time that God would send strong delusion. Why? Only to those who received not the love of the truth. They didn't want the love of the truth. It's interesting that uh, between the two services, uh, uh, we've had, as you know, a 9 o'clock service and, and a couple from Westminster Chapel, where I was for many years, uh, came up to, to say hello. And they were talking about how it was a pattern at Westminster Chapel, and I'd heard this more than once, that when people would first come to hear me preach, they would say, oh, this is marvelous. This is wonderful. But they'd only come for five or six weeks. And I wondered why. And I've had different ones say, R.T., don't you know why? It's because after five or six weeks, it hits them. They're going to have to change their lives if they're going to keep coming there. And, and, and I, I think that was the, really the truth. And it's so easy to start out. Oh, this is marvelous. I found what I want. But you don't want to have to change your life. I'll tell you right now, if you don't receive the love of the truth, if you don't love truth more than anything, then God will send a delusion. It could happen to you. But you believe a lie. You're deceived, and nobody can tell you you are deceived. It was a night of delusion. Living in denial. Worst possible time to throw a party. It was Belshazzar's way of escaping from reality. By the way, do you drink to escape from reality? Do you find certain pleasures to escape from reality? Belshazzar was refusing to accept the obvious, the inevitable. It was a night of discontinuity. Verse 5, suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, Near the lampstand in the royal palace, the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. He was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Things would never be the same again. It was the end of an era. God saying, the party's over. So what we have here, an unmistakable intervention 
of an angry God. It was a sudden intervention. Look at it. Verse 5, suddenly. No warning. Sometimes God works gradually and takes a long time. After thousands of years, according to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem those that were under the law. Sometimes God does things gradually and takes what seems to be forever. And then sometimes God works suddenly. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, suddenly the Lord will enter his temple. Acts 2 verse 1, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And I think of that verse in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 1. Listen to this. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Have you been given warnings? Have your friends been trying to say something to you? They walk on eggshells around you. They don't want to upset you. They don't want to offend you. They don't want to make you angry. But they're trying because they love you to say, something's wrong. Something's gone badly wrong. Don't you hear the wake-up call? It was a silent intervention. There was no noise, no fanfare, no introduction, no one saying, would all please turn your attention to the right wall, have a look. No. The noise was going strong, the frolicking, the laughter, the sensuality. And then suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared. The handwriting on the wall stopped everything, the frolicking, the noise, the laughter, the sensuality, the music, the drinking, the blasphemy came to a halt. And before you could count to ten, there came an eerie silence. You could hear a pin drop on a velvet carpet. The sound of silence sent a signal. The party's over. It was a solemn intervention. First time in recorded history. Anything like this. The king watched. He watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. He was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Talk about change. His face turned pale. Why? Belshazzar knew this was something supernatural. There's no way this could be a human trick. By the way, if God can by his finger change the countenance of a king, whatever will it be like when that day comes to pass, Described in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye shall see him. All the kindred of the earth shall wail because of him. You talk about screaming, wailing, sadness. Or as it's put in Revelation chapter 6, verse 15. 
the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they called to the mountains of the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's like the parable of Jesus when he told in Luke chapter 12. He said that there was this rich man and uh, he produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what am I going to do now? He said, I've got no place to store my crops. Oh, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of good things laid up for years. Take life. Easy. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night your soul will be demanded of you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus asked a question that nobody can answer. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Is life one big party for you? Living comfortably? Living irresponsibly? I'm sorry. It's coming soon. You're going to get the wake-up call. The party's over. It was a strategic intervention. How do we know that? Well, at that precise moment, Belshazzar's enemy, King Darius, had found a way to penetrate the walled city of Babylon. A river went right through the city under a walled bridge. The army of Darius built a dam upstream. His army could now walk under the bridge and conquer from within. You see, God knows everything that's going on in the world. He's the one that exalts. He's the one that brings down. The nations to him are but a drop in the bucket. It was a sovereign intervention, something only God could do. But now the king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, diviners to be brought. And they said to these wise men, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in. But they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So, King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. The nobles were baffled, but then suddenly there was a good word, so it would seem the queen. Actually, uh, the scholars tell us it had to be the queen mother, to be the wife of Nebuchadnezzar. And she hears all the noise. Says, oh, king, live forever. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and 
wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel is needed again. Are you a man of God, a woman of God? You've been put on the shelf. You're waiting for your time to come. Things are going well. Great future. The wind at your back. That was Daniel. And suddenly, nobody wants Daniel. He's on the shelf. Is there anybody here like that? Well, they didn't send for Daniel at first. Because the last advice people seem to want is from a man of God or from the Bible. By the way, don't worry about those who are sent for first. Jesus said, the last shall be first. And if you're waiting for your time to come, and your time has come, remember, those God has not chosen, but of the profile, will not be able to do what you have been chosen to do. If you will be humble, stay humble. There will come a time when you will be needed and wanted. The French writer Victor Hugo said, like the trampling of a mighty army, so is the force of an idea whose time has come. If I could paraphrase that, like the trampling of a mighty army, so is the force of one's anointing whose time has come. God knows where you are. Daniel had been waiting for this moment. He had been put to one side. Maybe he needed that time. Maybe he needed to be sorted out in certain ways. All that Daniel had done, and then the preparation during the time of Belshazzar, not for nothing. But you say, well, how will they know about me? God knows where you are. He's the one that gave you your gift. He's brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Those who need you will find you. Amen. We'll call for Daniel, the king said. And this came because the queen mother stepped in. But silly man, King Belshazzar promised a gold chain to Daniel. You see, unregenerate people don't seem to realize that true men of God are not motivated by things like that. And if you are interested and motivated by gold chains and that kind of prestige, uh, they won't be coming looking for you. We're living in a day when you see small men scrambling for power and recognition. God is looking for people who will reject gold chains and the like. Well, Daniel answered the king, you can keep your gifts for yourself. Give your reward to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Well, what I think we have here 
this whole scenario, it's a preview of the final judgment. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die. We're all going to die. After death, the judgment. Now, what do you suppose that judgment will be like? Well, what we have here is a preview of it. You could say it's a rehearsal. Uh, Belshazzar had to listen to Daniel say things. For example, Daniel says to him, O king, the most high God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of his high position, all the peoples and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Then the king, those he wanted to put to death, he did. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged the Most High God. Well, you, his son, haven't done that. Though you knew all this, Belshazzar knew about Daniel. He didn't want Daniel. You see, here's what's going to happen. At the judgment, God's going to make you listen to things that's not going to be pleasant for you. He's not going to be pleasant. You're not going to like it. And so, Daniel continues, Belshazzar, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds his hand your life. He holds in his hand your life. Are you aware that your destiny is in the hands of a sovereign God? You better bow to him and ask him for mercy. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. You see, we read in Luke 16 where the rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to heaven, and the rich man in hell said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented with his flame. And the reply was, son, remember in your lifetime, it was one big party for you. You had all you wanted, Lazarus. Didn't get what he wanted. But now he's comforted. You're tormented. One of the things that will make hell, hell, is your memory. One of the awful things about the judgment, you have to be told. You can say, I know that. Don't stop. Please don't tell me. Oh, you're going to listen to this. This is what you did. This is what you did. God has determined the number of your days. And so, says Daniel, here's the meaning of what is written. Meaning, meaning, tekel, parson, 
God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And so, not only is the party over, but your time is up. In verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Is life one big party for you? You live for fun? Pleasure? Doing your own thing? And you thought this could just go on and on and on and on. Are you living in adultery? Are you living in sexual promiscuity? Are you involved in financial impropriety? Or compromising with the faith of the God of the Bible? Don't be a fool. At any moment, Jesus will say, You fool. This night, your soul is required of you. The party's over. It's time to call it a day. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken the moon away. It's time to wind up the masquerade. Just make your mind up. The piper must be paid. The party's over. The candles flicker and dim. You danced and dreamed through the night. It seemed to be right just being with him. But now you must wake up. All dreams must end. Take off your makeup. The party's over. It's all over, my friend. Could it be that God, in his mercy, in his graciousness, has caused you to come in to this service because he's on your case? He's not giving you this to make you feel bad. He's giving you this word to make you feel good because there's time. There's time. The party's over. Call it a day and say, yes, Lord. You know, Jesus actually said somewhat like this to Peter in John chapter 18. He said, Peter, sorry, John 21, when you were young, you just did everything you wanted to do. But the day's coming. They're going to take you where you don't want to go. The party's over. We all for a while do our own thing. But then you come to terms. What's God got in mind? If you want to be a fool, you will reject the love of the truth. 
I don't mean to be unfair, but if you want to be a fool, you will reject this word.